Welcome to the Currently Cringing Podcast. I'm your host, Anisha Ramakrishna. I'm a TV personality and entrepreneur. Join me as I spill the chai on my cringeworthy life experiences with a side of dating, pop culture, and lots of laughs. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, I'm Shanae Alexander, host of Press Send, a podcast and more importantly, a safe and hilarious place for candid conversations about the scary, funny, heartbreaking, but always intriguing questions that make us all human. Each week, me and a new best friend you haven't met yet field your questions across any and all topics and offer our take on the matter with plenty of humor, heart, and badassery along the way. We launch a new episode of Press Send every Wednesday. We'll see you there. I'm Anisha Ramakrishna, and I'm an Indian entrepreneur and TV personality with big dick energy. I recently left my successful career and my long-term relationship to pursue my own fashion business. I'm single in my mid-30s, and I live with my parents. I'm currently cringing, and I know you are too. Hey guys, welcome to Currently Cringing. I want to introduce you to Divya Gugnani. She is the founder of Wander Beauty. And you have a very interesting story. And a lot of people may know you as, you know, the businesswoman. But I know you personally, I'd like to say. And yes. I'd like people to see, to hear that story. Because it's not, you know, cookie cutter, right? Like, it's not this perfect story. Definitely because not. we see you and we see this you know, beautiful woman. You're gorgeous, by the way, and you look 12. So. I wish. <laughs> I'm aging in reverse. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I am wearing Wonder Beauty today, guys, by the way. And you have this gorgeous family and this wonderful business, but people don't know, you know, what it took to get there, where you are now. And I'd also like to say that you were one of the first people, you know, someone who's established that actually reached out to me and congratulated me for family karma. So I'll never forget that. It means 
so much to me. And I was like in awe. I was like, Divya Gugnani is like calling me on the phone. So I love it. I love what you're doing. Forgive me if I sound like a super fan. I am. I really am. It's mutual. I'm a super fan too. Thank you. So let's start at the beginning. You are Indian, obviously, and you were born in America. Yes. So tell us. Springfield, Illinois, no less. Really? Like as America as it gets. (laughs) (laughs) So tell us. Yeah, it's very interesting that my parents talk about it all the time. So both my parents are from India. They had an arranged marriage. My dad went to school here. So the funniest story is like when my, I was dating my husband, I brought him to meet my dad. He's like, it was the most bizarre thing. Here's this like older Indian gentleman, like Punjabi guy who likes to like drink, have fun. And like the American accent came out and he's like, it threw me for a loop. Yes. He's like, it totally threw me for a loop. Because my husband, he actually, when he speaks to Indian people, he puts an Indian accent on. Oh my gosh. Like, Why do we all do that? Indian person. Oh my God, when he's on the phone with an Indian supplier in India, he like literally puts the Indian accent on. I'm like, you're speaking English. (laughs) They speak English. Why are you speaking English with an Indian accent when you're from New Jersey? I'm trying to figure that one out. I haven't yet solved that mystery. I don't know why I do it too. I talk in an Indian accent like when I'm with, you know, older generation Indians or Indians in India. (laughs) And then when I'm with my, you know, American Indian friends or my non-Indian friends, I whip out the American accent. Totally. So I was born in Springfield, Illinois. I lived there for only a few years. My dad actually ended up starting a business. So we ended up moving to New York. My parents rented a house for a year and then they bought a home out here in Long Island. I grew up here primarily. I spent a lot of time in India growing up. I, my parents spent a lot of time there when I was a child. So I was back and forth multiple times a year, every like holiday, winter break, all of the summer. So I really feel like I grew up partially there, partially here. Recently, I haven't been going back in the way that I used to. I just haven't gone back actually in a long time. I mean, you're the the founder of a company. Yeah, Yeah. you're a busy lady. That's just like, you know, once I started, you know, doing the whole work entrepreneur thing, the kind of plans to go out there became very challenging and difficult. So I grew up in both worlds, joint family there, obviously independent family here. We really don't have a lot of family here at all which was interesting and difficult. And now I feel so blessed as I'm building and growing my own family with my husband in Manhattan that we have, you know, my mother-in-law close by, my sister-in-law a block away, you know, sometimes my parents here in the summer. So it's really nice to have that. It, it takes a village. It does. And explain to the people who may not know, what is a joint family? Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm like, I took it for granted. Yeah. So a very traditional Indian family typically has, you know, mother and father who then have children and then often their adult children actually live with them and so whether they're sons or sometimes in the case daughters they get married and then actually they still stay in the home with their parents so you end up being in a home where there's multiple generations yeah so when i grew up my grandparents were there my dad and my mom would live in the house my dad's brother also lived in the house his three kids were there i was there with my sister and then those kids go actually went on. My cousin, my uncle's son, had a baby and had kids, and then they were living in the house too. So it was like generations and generations of a family lived together under one roof. And I, I tell you, the only golden rule that you need to survive is that every woman needs her own kitchen. Yeah. Because women don't share kitchens. 
That's just the headline. Absolutely. My <laughs> mom. Make a woman share a kitchen with somebody else. Never. It doesn't work out. And so many people in America who are Indian live in joint families to this day. I know many of them. Yep. So it's wild. And the fights are usually over the kitchen. So you're absolutely right. <laughs> there you go. What do couples fight about? Money and food. Exactly. My mom married into a joint family. So I know exactly what you're talking about. We would visit and you're literally visiting a village. They all live in the right. same place. The same home. And it's like a revolving door because yes. my mother, my, sorry, my mother, my grandmother, my dad's mom was just this very open, generous, welcoming human that like she could hear a car half a mile away and she'd start pulling out all her oh my silver, gosh. Yes. Small, 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 small little bowls with 20, 20, 20 appetizers in them to like get food ready. It's a very like Punjabi thing. So yes. I definitely grew up with that culture of food and entertaining and nonstop visitors and open door policy. And I feel like I hope I've lived up to some of her reputation in terms of being the same way in my own home. Yes. So you grew up in America and I guess in India as well. And so yeah. you had that traditional upbringing where you're expected, you know, to marry at a certain age and meet an Indian guy and go to college and do all that. So Tell us about that. You graduate high school and you're brilliant. So tell the people where you went to school. Don't be shy. I went to Cornell. I, you know, it was really interesting because I had a few different options to a few different schools and my sister was at Penn and, you know, I ultimately got into Columbia. I was on the wait list. So and there were a few other places too. And I really went to Cornell because I wanted to get as far away from home as I could. <laughs> quite frankly, because I feel like, you know, you grew up with these traditional parents and everyone's curfew was 1 a.m. and mine was 10 p.m. or 11 p.m. It's a hard existence. It's a hard existence when your parents culturally have two feet in their country and you're growing up in a totally different country in a different society with different norms and expectations. And, you know, every time I went to the mall and I bought a tank top, it would go in the wash and it would disappear. I would never see it again. Yeah. You're like, why are you showing your shoulders? Yeah. You don't need to be wearing this. So it's just like that was always challenging growing up. Middle school, high school is hard. I think also being Indian in a community where there really wasn't a lot of diversity at all was very challenging and hard for me. And I wanted to go somewhere different, far away, like out of a city and just like have a real college experience. I was in a sorority. I I loved every minute of it. I really feel like it was the right choice for me. Everyone has to pick their own path. I would do it all over again. Yes. I got out of college and I I really didn't, my parents were never the type of people, a lot of traditional Indian parents put a lot of pressure on kids to succeed. And to, you know, they're not happy unless you're a lawyer or you're, sorry, if you're a doctor or an engineer. Yeah, forget lawyer. I'm like, lawyer's not good enough. Lawyer's not good enough. Lawyer's like at the bottom of the list. You're being rejected. (laughs) So you have to be a doctor or engineer to get any sort of respect from the parents. And it's like, you can do everything under the sun, but like if you don't achieve that, you just don't get the praise. You don't, by the way, you don't get praise, period. I yeah, I don't know what that is. We're, I grew up the and same. I, and I feel like I overcompensate with my children and I celebrate every win and I make them feel so secure and so loved and so nurtured and so supported. My kids just finished playing tennis and I FaceTime them. And my daughter, like, won one of her games. And I was like, you're amazing. I'm so happy. You're so great at tennis. Like, meanwhile, the kid's, like, not moved up a level in tennis <laughs> for a year. 
She's going to listen to this, by the way, when she gets older and be like, my mom knew I was a really bad tennis player, but used to tell me I was amazing every week. But that's, that's what, me. That's what I, I want. I want to she's amazing every yeah, week. Yeah, I would, I would have liked that. You know, you can't go back in time and now they give it to me and I'm like, mom, my brain's already developed. Right, exactly. <laughs> Thank you. Now I don't actually still I don't it. need so it now. Forward, I go to college. <laughs> I get out. I'm like, I need a job. I'm yeah. like, I grew up in a household where my mom was financially dependent on my father. And I saw that. And that was a... That was the way things worked. My mom never worked. And I felt very strongly that I wanted to be on my own two feet. I wanted to make my own decisions. I wanted to control my own destiny, control my own path and career and finances. And so how to do that? Get a job in investment banking. That's a good idea for me. So I took that job at Goldman Sachs and I moved out of the house, which was crazy because when my sister graduated college, she lived at home. And so I took that step. I emptied my personal savings account, which was years and years of saving birthday money from my dad's mother. Yeah. And I could afford one Ikea bed and I couldn't afford a dresser. And I saved up paycheck by paycheck, lived paycheck to paycheck till I could afford the dresser. And it was like, those were my beginnings. It was such a, you know, obviously different way than how I live now. And I really remember, I remember the pain so clearly. I remember it was like yesterday. I was just telling someone, my my mom actually the other day, because she made me an egg salad sandwich. And like, I can't look at hard boiled eggs because there was a time in my life when I bought my first apartment where I spent every dollar I had in my bank account to put that deposit down for my first apartment that all I could afford to eat were hard boiled eggs. And so I can't even look at hard boiled eggs anymore. Because when I see one, it just reminds me of the pain I used to go through of like, that's what my budget was. That's what I could afford for dinner when I was, because I wanted to buy a piece of real estate. It's like the choices I made. You know, you can do anything you want if you put your mind to it, but there's always a bit of pain, hardship, struggle, and perseverance. And it's just getting through those really rough times. It makes the the good part even sweeter and better. I completely understand that. When you get there. Yeah. Well, I'm not there yet, but I, I'm in the pain right now, Divya. <laughs> I'm in the pain right now, but I completely understand. And I will say also, we come from these families where our parents are somewhat established, but I don't come from a family of parents that are hand giving me handouts. They're like, you need to figure it out on your own. So, you know, I've, right. I've lived in New York. I've had Cheetos for dinner. So I understand completely what you're saying and you know I'm back in the pain but yeah and starting a business is the pain all over again and I've done that four times over so believe me the no salary the working seven days a week like I've been through it I've been through it four times I really feel like it's almost those those difficult times difficult moments really challenging times where you want to give up go home like literally just bury yourself and covers than bravo exactly <laughs> absolutely you just um it's you just gotta you gotta plow forward so you have this job at goldman sachs then you get your dresser you're eating hard-boiled eggs <laughs> then what so um i met a guy i got set up by a very good friend very young and then moved literally met the guy and then moved to california so we met in new york and I got an opportunity to go work at Goldman Sachs in California. So I'm like the world of opportunity. Yes. My, my middle name is like opportunity. I'm like 
any opportunity thrown my way, like I have to capitalize on the opportunity. I gotta, yes. I gotta take the risk. I gotta jump. That's just, I'm an adventurer. So I heard go to California for the tech practice at Goldman Sachs. And I said, where's my plane ticket? Done. So I get on a plane, I go, we have this kind of like long distance phone type relationship. And then him and his parents were like, you know, I would say that they were very keen for us to get married. I was like, okay, great. Like, this sounds good too. I also really wanted to start my own life. So I think I was excited about it. Yeah. Um, and I started my life with someone that I really didn't know well, who I fundamentally believe is a good person and is just, you know, I have the utmost regard. I think a series of circumstances made that not work for us. I mean, okay. I decided that I wanted to get my master's. I got into Harvard and I got into Wharton. We were living in New York City at the time. And yes. I made the choice to go to Harvard. We collectively made the choice, yeah. I will say. Can you say that Harvard. louder for the people in the back? You went to <laughs> Harvard. Oh, she God. went to Harvard, guys. So bad. I never dropped the H-bomb, but it had to be done. So I had to tell you the story. So I get this opportunity to go there. We agree that I'm going to go. First, he says, going to move with me. Ends up not moving with me. Like, it was just a series of work and personal circumstances that brought us further and further apart until the relationship really just got fractured. And um, we ended up getting divorced. And so that was really a period of time in my life where I felt fundamentally 110% lost and broken. And how old There's are no you? There's no other way to de describe it. Well, that's a good question. So yeah. I got married at 23, 24, so I was 25, 26. Which, like which was the norm, which was the norm, yeah. you know? So it's not like you were doing something out of the ordinary yeah. where you were way to too be, young. Yeah, to be Indian, to be in New York City, to be living on your own, supporting yourself, and to be divorced that young that people were just getting married then yes. was like a very weird time in my life. I can't even and imagine. I went through a horrific experience. Like I'm making it very, you know, palatable for you. Yeah. But there was a lot of stuff to unpack there, a lot of emotion, a lot of difficulty, a lot of complicated situation. And, and you know, we amicably managed to handle it. And that was great. And I, you know, he's now fast forward married to someone with two kids. I'm married to someone with two yes. kids. We were not right for each other. And I think it's okay to recognize that and accept that and realize that it wasn't the path for him. It wasn't the path for me. But in the moment, it felt so painful and so hard and so raw. And I felt so scared. Like yes. I'm young. I can't talk to my parents about this. I don't have their support on this issue it's like fundamentally can be so embarrassing for them. They were like traumatized by the whole thing. Like there was just a lot going on and I felt lot and I had no one to talk to. Like I literally called my best friend's dad and was like, what do I do? Yeah. It's very lonely. And I made a lot of really stupid decisions because I was not, like I say all the time, I'm like, I was not financially literate. I, I worked in a finance job, but I had never really managed money. I was a couple years out of college. I had no idea, you know, the amount of, money I'd accumulated during that time. I'd invested it pretty aggressively. I had school to pay for. I paid for my yes. own education to go to do my master's. So there was a lot of pieces moving around and I felt lost. I felt like I didn't have any guidance. I didn't feel like I could talk to anyone about it. I felt very like broken by the experience. I feel like I failed in a very, like what could feel more devastating and broken than like getting divorced and feeling like a total failure right. to your family. Definitely. When I ended my 12-year relationship and moved back home, I felt like a complete loser. And fear is 
the feeling, you know, yes. like you're scared. And I can't right. imagine being 25. You're so young, you know, you you don't really know what you're doing. And so... And you don't have the maturity to deal with it. Yeah. Like you were in that 12-year relationship. Yes. But I was in my 30s. A grown woman. Right. I can't imagine being 25. And so now here you are. What made you decide to want to start your first business? Because people know you because of Wander Beauty, but they right. don't know. You've started a few. Right. So the first business was I was working full-time at a venture capital fund. I loved my job. I was super happy. I had an amazing boss who till this day inspires me and challenges me and has invested in every company I've started okay. after the first one. It has been a great support system for me. So I was working, I had this great job and I was dating someone and he was figuring out his life, which is hard to kind of figure out. And we just <laughs> decided that this was a good thing for us to do. So we did this project together. We were like, okay, like let's set up a business together okay. and like, let's take his knowledge of aftermarket auto parts, his knowledge of cars, my knowledge of the internet. And we kind of like married it. And this business became an incredible success very quickly. Everyone should have an experience like this. After Just imagine, after all the hardship I've been through, graduating right. school, going back, getting a job, I was finally like established in my career. I was doing well. I was happy. I had this great relationship that I was in. And then we start this company, and the company starts doing really well. So that was all fantastic. And that was a success story because we ended up, you know, I ended up selling it, and that was done. Yeah. And then I looked at myself and I said, like, I want to be an entrepreneur. I never thought I would be, I'm an accidental entrepreneur. You know, the kid who like you grew up with was like hustling people to buy lemonade. That was me. Stand? <laughs> yeah. So like, I was never that. So like, I think of entrepreneurs and I think of like, oh my God, you, like you've got the personality that can fill up a whole room. And it's got this amazing sense of confidence and like your energy lights up. You're so Anyone kind. Anyone want to back you and be you and invest in you. And like, I was not that person. I was shy. I was a little more reserved. I was a little more brainy and nerdy. And so I was like, I don't want to be an entrepreneur. Like I want to have a job and have stability and have a white picket fence and 2.2 kids and live in the suburbs. By the way, none of that happened. <laughs> like my life was like, never, like, you know, you make plans and God laughs. Like, yes. That's exactly what happened to me. I made all these plans of like what my life was going to look like. And my life looks nothing like what I had envisioned it to be. And Same. I think that part of my journey has been just accepting that there have been so many twists and turns. I've started four companies. I've had ups, I've had downs, I've had success, I've had failure. I've had a failed relationship that was four and a half years. I had a failed marriage. Like that all, what didn't kill me made me stronger. Stronger, absolutely. Let's put it that way. <laughs> so then you have this auto internet company that you sell. Right. Start another one. Start another one. Then did right. you even... That doesn't go very far. That doesn't go very far. And then your third one. Yes, my third one, I started started it right when I was getting married to my husband, Manoj. And so it was really funny. I was telling someone this story recently that has an incredible wedding planner. And I sat her down. I was like, I'm giving birth to a company. Yes. Like a baby. Like, this is my full focus. I'm like, you're going to plan the wedding of your dreams. You're going to have everything just the way you envisioned because I'm going to be super excited that you're going to do all this. And it was just such a great relationship. Like she, she's like, don't you want to see the flowers? Like, don't you want me to drop the arrangement? I was like, nah, I'm good. You're good. I'm like, send me a picture. Text me a picture. Yes. I'm good. 
But like, I really was so excited about my business. I was so focused. I was also excited to get married, but I'm just not a wedding person. I'm right. more of like a let's focus on the marriage instead of focus on the wedding. And you had been so, through the divorce, right? So you know what's yeah. important so I now. I was like gun shy. I was yes. nervous. I was worried. I'm yeah. like, I don't really want this attention on me. So I just like, you, you go through things differently. And you also, your priorities are different in life. I told my husband, like, I don't even want to write it. Like, I just was in a different place in my life and my headspace. Yes. And, you know, maybe it doesn't sound romantic, but the relationship is what I cared about more than anything. Right. And so I was like, we need to have a great relationship and I need to be a great partner to you. You need to be a great partner to me. And that's how we're going to, you know, go through this journey of marriage and life together. Yes. And that's where I focus my time and energy. And I tell you, I don't regret it. I don't regret that I didn't spend all this time like being a bridezilla and like focusing no. on the wedding. Like I just, it didn't matter to me any of that stuff. Like what mattered to me was him and starting this business. I start the business. I raise a venture of money for it in March, 2011. So I start the business in September, 2010. I raise money in March, 2011. And in February, 2012, I sell the company to QC, which couldn't be a quicker. I mean, like, wow. I mean, just right. It was wow. You're on I, your way. I, so I was pregnant. So get this, I was pregnant. No one knew. I hadn't really discussed it. I had difficulty conceiving. I had yes. two years in the making. Autoimmune disease, get pregnant with my son, was so worried about losing the baby, had so many complications early on in my pregnancy. So it was like, couldn't even like enjoy the pregnancy yeah. and like talk about it. So today, like you look on Instagram, people are like posting belly pictures every day. So happy, right. like that was not my pregnancy. No. My pregnancy was fear, nervousness. I'm going to miscarriage this week. I'm going to miscarriage next week. Like it was just very different experience yes. for me. So I was hiding it with everything I could. And then I told people, and then I sold my company and I took the F train subway home that day. And my husband was like, why are we not on a jet somewhere <laughs> like to some Island celebrating like down parent? Like I was like, we literally came home. I took the subway home. This is after the money had come into my account. Right. I took the subway home. I made chicken teriyaki and sauteed broccoli oh and brown rice. I drank a glass of lemonade and I laid down on the recliner and I was like, oh my God, I can exhale now. Like you I can breathe. My company. Like, we're okay now. Life yes. is going to be good. Yeah. <laughs> like we can now focus on being a family. And it was just this deep sigh of relief if I'd been worked so hard for that. And it was just this critical moment in my life that was like, at that point, and I know women are so shy to talk about this and I'm not saying this in any other way than we should celebrate our wins and we should celebrate what we've achieved and also talk about it because yeah. I do believe it's such an incredible story for other people. Like at that moment in my life, I had created intergenerational wealth for my yes. family. And that was just a crystal moment for my life. That was like, it was game changing. Right? And I love more this. Than anything else that had ever happened to my career. I love this also because what people don't see is this part of it or don't hear about is this part. They just know Wander Beauty. This is like a 10-year <laughs> journey. You just went through like a 10-year journey. Right. This didn't happen overnight. So many mistakes along the way, you know, brought in the wrong people, trusted the wrong people, you know, so many things, you know, and I don't mean to make this negative because no. I'm an overly positive human, but yeah. a lot happened during those, those yes. years and those formative years. I had to make all those mistakes because when I started Wander and that's my fourth company and it's been five years in the making of building a global brand. Right focused on clean beauty essentials and the trajectory in which we've grown and gone global has been amazing, but it didn't come with all of those steps before it. Yes. All of that hard work, all those effort, all those mistakes allowed me to create this business 
better, faster, and with less money. So now you're a mom and you decide to get into the beauty industry. How did that come about? Well, my husband thought it was crazy. So this is literally how it went. I had my son, Ashvin, and then two years later, I had Anissa. And during those two years, I worked at QVC. I reported to the CEO. It was a really interesting experience. I worked at a large corporation. I was, you know, definitely a lot younger than a lot of the senior management team. I have a lot to learn from them. But I used to have a meeting to have a meeting to have a meeting about a meeting I was going to have. Yeah. And I just wanted to work. Right. And I was like, I wanted to go back to my roots. And so when I had an Nissan, I was in the hospital. I was at Wild Cornell Hospital on the Upper East Side of Manhattan. I looked at Manoj and I was like, one more. And he was like, you can have as many kids as you want with your next husband. Like, yes. feel free to knock yourself out. He's like, we're not having any more kids. <laughs> you just had your one boy, one girl. We done. Right. It's perfect. And I was like. And I was like, no, 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 like, I want to start one, one more, more business. <laughs> He's like, no more kids. You're like, no, another company, hon. He was like, he's like, literally, you should have seen his face. This this conversation went down in the hospital, which, by the way, for two days, we didn't have a name for our daughter. So we're like <laughs> debating the name. And I'm like trying to convince him that I want to start another business. And he's like, you're just nuts. He's like, you don't have a name for your daughter. Yeah. Get the name for your daughter. Then we'll talk about all this other stuff. So because um, I went in the hospital with this idea of a name I was going to use and then another friend of mine ended up having a baby two days before and sending an email out with that name. she stole and your name like, name is gone the name you know yeah is gone so i had to do a new name so i get it fast forward we have this conversation and he's like Vivia. he's like let's think about this logically you're a logical person you have a salary we have health benefits you don't work crazy hours we're enjoying a very happy comfortable wonderful yeah. life with you at qvc why and why in right. any way, shape, or form do you think it's a good idea for you to start a new business with two children under the age of two? Yeah. And I was like, it's a terrible idea, but I can't get it out of my head and I want to do this. And you're following and your gut went. and your instinct. That was just it. I was like, I knew I wanted to start another business. I didn't know what I wanted to start. I didn't know what I wanted to do. And then weeks later, I met Lindsay at a party and that was it. We just like, we hatched the plan for Wander Beauty and like, put the preliminary stuff together and we were off to the races and we launched a brand a year later. Amazing. And now you're global (laughs) and your products are incredible. I can say I'm allergic to everything and I, I have my wander beauty and my nose doesn't run. My eyes don't itch. It's really the best. It really is. It's important. You're doing big things. Now you said venture capitalist and you know, you've, gotten funding for your money. I had my first call last week. And let me tell you, you can watch a million YouTube videos. You can Google a bunch of PowerPoint decks and research how to talk on these calls. I've gone to business school myself and nothing can prepare you. And let me tell you, I had my first call, hashtag fail. Like it was so embarrassing because At the end of the day, no matter how confident you are as a woman, you're talking to some man that is just, you know, looking at you. Totally disconnected from the marketing of product. And, you know, that's why I say so many times, like, people say to me all the time, like, women get less than 2% venture funding. It was 3%. Now it's even down below 2%. And with COVID, actually, women's founded businesses and businesses focused on selling to women are across the board down. There's all these recent statistics about it. 
And at the end of the day, the way women get funding is when someone who they're pitching to understands their business. Yes. People invest in what they know. That's like the old Warren Buffett rule. And so when you're sitting across the table from someone who just fundamentally doesn't understand what you're doing, it's very hard for them to write you a check. Right. And so we need to change that whole, and that's, you know, why I became an investor, why I started my own fund with concept to co yes. because we fundamentally have to take whatever we've created and built and made in our lives and put it back. Exactly. In and the system. So what is your advice out there for me and for so many women out there that want funding and how do you really explain yourself, especially when you have the vision, but the vision is nowhere near coming to life, but you know, it's going to happen. And so how do you tell someone to basically invest in the air, basically? And then you have, well, you see other people getting funding for all sorts of crazy ideas. It's it's very sure. bizarre. Okay, so there's a couple different things. First and foremost, let's talk about money. A vast majority of businesses in America start with under $5,000 of funding. So a lot of people believe they need funding, whereas they actually want funding. Those are two very different things. If you have a business, you're selling products, you have revenue, you have purchase orders, maybe you have a, you're selling to a wholesaler, retailer, whatever it may be, you can go to a bank and try and get purchase order financing or get a loan. That is a cheaper form of financing your business that will, in the long term, you keep your equity in the company yes. and you can fund your business. Giving up equity, which means taking an angel investor, having a family office invest in you, taking venture capital, or if you're a later stage business taking private equity money, you're diluting your equity ownership. You're giving away a piece of your company to someone else or another firm. And you're hoping and praying that that money that you get in is going to change the trajectory of your company, yeah. scale and build and grow such that the company is going to be valued worth a lot more than what you it is today. And so you're betting on that growth. You're betting on that success. And so I fundamentally believe that so many people are wed to the notion that they want to raise money when they fundamentally don't need to raise money. Yeah. That is just really what's happening. Everyone's like, I have to, I have to. And it's the reasons for raising money often are like, I need the TechCrunch article. I want to be in Forbes. Like, right. If the fame is the reason, like that's just not the reason at all. You need to sit down and think like, what do I really need? What could I possibly get away with? Which is, you know, so many, look at the founders of MailChimp. They, yes. You know, funded and scaled that business and practically no investments. Mm -hmm. Bank, same thing. I can name so many companies that had very little funding and were able to scale to hundreds of millions of dollars with little to no money. It can be done. Necessity is the mother of invention. Yeah. We'll find out ways to do things and be scrappier and better. But if you so choose that you want to get funding, I believe the most important thing you need is you need to think about early stage investing. What do people bet on? People? Yeah. Idea? opportunity. So they're going to bet on the founder and that person. If you are confident when you go in that meeting, you're going to give an investor confidence to give you a check. Yes. They're going to have confidence that you are going to be able to hire people because those people are going to have confidence in you. You're going to be able to sign up suppliers because the suppliers are going to have confidence in you. Right. Have confidence in yourself. Put your best version of yourself forward with data, metrics, numbers, evidence, whatever you've got. People, idea, opportunity. The early stages are like, is the person the right person to start and build this business? Yeah. Is this idea different and better than what's out there in the market? And is there a real opportunity for this company to really scale and grow? Because venture capitalists, they're not looking to invest in a lifestyle business where yes. like you're working 2.5 days a week. 
They want a business that's going to yield them a huge return. They have to make many. They want like 10x. Want 10x, and if they can't see the way to 10x fast in you know three to five to seven years, they're saying peace, see you later. Exactly. So you need to understand that the funding that you get is matched up with your alignment of your goals and your vision for your brand. When I first raised money, I raised angel money, which was like patient investors, individuals who are gonna. I was kind of figuring out the brand. Is there a brand here? Let's launch one product. Let's see if people buy it. Then let's launch more. Take steps. Yeah. All steps in the right direction. When I had more traction, I went and raised a Series A venture money. Yeah. Then, as I built a leader stage business and we we're really scaling, we raised private equity money. Yeah. So you find the right investors at the right time with different return thresholds and expectations. So happy to work on your pitch deck with no. you. You should send that over my way. We're going to do some workshopping on yes. it, and we're going to, you're going to raise some money. It's this was very helpful, by the way, like for everyone listening as well, because you know we don't get practical advice. You know, on the internet, it's like, right. oh, get $10 million. And you're like, I don't need $10 million. I need like 100000 you know, like, let's right. be realistic. So I want to switch gears. I know you're busy and you've got like three more meetings after this. So I won't <laughs> take too much of your time. You know, I'm about to freeze my eggs. We yes. did discuss this. And now I also want people to know it's nothing to be ashamed about. You can freeze your eggs. And it's not just, oh, I in, wish I did it. yeah, it's not just in Indian culture. It's just women in general. So many women, my friends, they don't want me telling other people they froze their eggs. They don't even tell their parents they froze their eggs. I'm like, in 10 years, this is going to be like going to the dentist. You know, totally. it's not a big deal. And you had your kids later, quotation marks. Yeah, of course I did. And you know, listen, I wish I froze my eggs. I wish that I thought about you know, just like we need to be financially literate and own our financial future, one of the things I talk about with the wage gap is that there's a wage gap between women and men. Yes. And what can we do to narrow that gap? It's that we can start talking about money, investing in money, building our own wealth that compounds. We need to own our family future, right. which is like, are you having a family? Are you not having a family? And do you not know when you're going to have a family? And so you need to be in the driver's seat on this. We can't wait to get married or wait for someone to save us or wait for someone that right partner to come along. Many women that I know, best friends of mine, have not met the right person. Right. They don't want to give up that enjoyment and excitement and journey of being a mother. And why should they? Yes. There's no reason to compromise on that. So whether you end up doing this with a partner or without, that's an individual choice that you may take over time and need time to make that decision. But you need options. Yes. You all need options. So having the ability to have that option and not do what I did, which is, you know, my old eggs and my husband's even older sperm got together and created some babies. That was a very difficult journey. I highly recommend that we as women take control of our fertility and our family future. Just yeah. the way we take control of our money and our investing future. I think you said it perfectly. That's a tagline. Take control of your finances and your fertility. Of course. Done. Needs to happen. Hashtag need to do it. Hashtag finance and fertility. That's the motto. But I'm so grateful for you. I could talk to you for hours. I know you got to run. Thank you so much, Divya. What an honor. Thank you so much for having me. Thank and you. the way to find me is at dkugnani on Instagram in case you want to DM, ask yes. questions, and at wander underscore beauty on Instagram. And the website is wanderbeauty.com. Thank you so much for sipping the chai with me this week. 
If you like the show, remember to rate, review, and subscribe. You can also find me on Instagram at Anish Ramakrishna. I would love to hear from you. Join me next week for more chat. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Thank you so much for sipping the chai with me this week. If you like the show, remember to rate, review, and subscribe. You can also find me on Instagram at Anish Ramakrishna. I would love to hear from you. Join me next week for more chat.